I love the TikTok before I love the movie. The question is, are you meta enough to enjoy this film, Mark Zuckerberg? The other question is, how much Nick Cage is too much Nick Cage? Don't be stupid. It's never enough. Not the bees! Not the bees! <laughs> What's up, everyone? Thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, settle in, and allow us to take you on a fantastic voyage into the world of film. My name is Juan, here as always with Mark mm. and Kevin. And we like movies. On this episode, we are gathered to review the 2022 film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, or as I like to call it, The Story of My Life, directed by Tom Gormican and starring Nicolas Cage, Pedro Pascal, Tiffany Haddish, and Sharon Horgan, among others. Before we get to our synopsis, Please remember to hit that subscribe button, follow us, like us, rate us, and please comment and let's start a conversation. As always, thank you for listening and watching. Here is the synopsis of the film provided by Rotten Tomatoes with annotations by yours truly. Nicolas Cage stars as Nick Cage in the action comedy The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Creatively unfulfilled and facing financial ruin, the fictionalized version of Cage must accept a million dollar offer to attend the birthday of a dangerous superfan played by Pedro Pascal. His name is Javi Gutierrez. Things take a wildly unexpected turn when Cage is recruited by a CIA operative played by Tiffany Haddish and forced to live up to his own legend, channeling his most iconic and beloved on-screen characters in order to save himself and his loved ones. With a career built for this very moment, the seminal award-winning actor must take on the role of a lifetime, Nick Cage. My only note is that this description sounds an awful lot like the plot of the film Mindhorn. Just saying. I was, that's literally something yeah. that I had in my notes. That this yeah. feels like Mindhorn with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I know. Uh, the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent was released on April 22nd, 2022. That's almost exactly a year ago. Uh, produced by Saturn Films and Burr Productions and distributed by Lionsgate. It has a runtime of an hour and 47 minutes, a budget around $30 million, and a worldwide gross of about $29 million. It is certified fresh bamaklat with from Rotten Tomatoes with a score of 87% for critics and audiences alike. The tagline, which is a little too specific for me, is this spring, a Hollywood legend will become a real life hero. So, I'm going to I'm going to take credit for this pick, although I think it's fair to say that Mark and I both picked this one. 
Um, we've both been itching to see this for a very long time, although Mark was the one uh, that exposed me to the trailer when it first came out last year. So initially, when I first saw the trailer, I wasn't that interested. Um, I don't think I knew what to make of it, and it kind of gave me the impression that it would somehow be a letdown. Uh, but then most recently came that famous TikTok, and it's just such a good meme. It just captures so much that we love that immediately I had to watch the movie as soon as possible. And I got to tell you, fellas, I loved this movie. And I got to tell you something else. Please do. <laughs> to me, this is a perfect movie. And wow. I, I know I'm not I know it sounds like I'm overstating that, but um, and I don't expect others to feel this way. But for me, what I felt watching it and everything about it and the way that it came together, it just hit all the right notes. It's an incredible comedy, an action movie, a bromance. It's got heart. It's clever. It's got well-written characters excellent writing wonderful acting memorable scenes it was awesome and i can't praise this movie enough um i really want to hear mark's thoughts so i want to save him for last so let's jump to you kevin and have you make sure that you are yeah right in the middle there the, the yeah, screen well, listen there you go so you want to wait for mark's thoughts so i have to go next it was on my list of movies but no no kevin didn't want to watch it but i'll go anyway um you didn't it voice it enough. It was really good. Um, it did remind me of Mad uh, Mindhorn with JCVD thrown in there and a little bit of um, Get Shorty ending. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I just finished watching it and it was fun. I would, um, I would suggest this to people go watch it. Ooh, going this way. Um, yeah, like I, there's nothing I can, there's a couple little quibbles. But nothing really major that stood out that was bad. It was fun. It was enjoyable. I recommend it to people. Everyone should go watch watch this movie. And yeah, that's all. Mark, what about you? A couple little quabbles. One of those quibbles. Quibbles. <laughs> quibbles. Uh, it was very, it was enjoyable. Um, there were things that kind of disappointed me and let me down story-wise. Um, I feel like... Uh, there could have been way more options to go with how this movie progressed. But at the end of the day, it didn't take away from anything. It was just like my personal standpoint. Like, you know, after it ended, I was kind of like, ah, you know, I wish this went this way and this person did that. And, um, but it was enjoyable. It was, it was nice to see a Nicolas Cage movie. I can't remember the last time I saw one. Uh, I think I saw a pig. Uh, that was really good. Um, so he's kind of had like a reemergence, I guess. But uh, yeah, it was all, all together. It was an enjoyable movie. Did you see the Wicker Man? I did. Okay. I did. It's one of my uh, one of my 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 super secret hits. I don't okay. know why. I just love that movie. Like it's so bad, it's so good. I need to watch that. Um... But so for I mean, me, you referenced the bees. I thought you knew exactly yeah. what was happening. Like I, just, I know that scene. Remember that there's like this YouTube video that's just a montage of like all his crazy scenes. I need to. Oh, I'm gonna find I that it. and link I that. I believe it. 
Yeah, I'm going to find that and link it in the comments in the um, description rather. So let me start off by saying real quick that I was surprised because I was like Nick Cage. He's just been such a well-known figure for me in my film watching history. Um, and he's almost like this bigger than life infamous character that I honestly thought I had seen more movies of his, yeah. but I, I really haven't, right? Like, yeah. and so I was, as I was trying to think what my favorite movie of his is, and like, I, I know all the scenes from different movies, but I've just never actually watched that many of them, the, the actual movie. So it's either between Con Air or Adaptation. Well, me, you can't even, well, you, you're not even mentioning National Treasure? My friend, yeah, you have yeah. not seen enough Nick Cage movies. I haven't seen those. It's, he had a nice little tight run of movies that were really good. Yeah. And then he made a whole bunch of movies that I've never really even heard of. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, but the fact that he was making as many movies as he was, like, I've always felt Nick Cage has been, like, a really good subpar actor. Like, I feel like he has one role, and he only acts one way, and it's just Nick Cage. That's how he acts. So I've always, I've always kind of looked at the fascination of Nick Cage and been like, wow, this is very awe-inspiring, but I, I've never understood it. Not that he's bad, but he's not, like, good? Yeah. If I, I could say that? I think he's had good moments throughout yeah. his his career. I mean, Adaptation is definitely one of them. Like good scenes or good movies. Not good movies. I think it, movies, if you okay. go back to the 80s and, like, Raising Arizona, which I think is a... Um, never saw that one. A, uh, Coen Brothers, yeah, movie, and then um, if you look, if you look at it, like Leaving I was watching, Vegas. what? Leaving Las Vegas, he won the Academy Award for. Oh, he mm. did win an Academy Award. If he did, yeah, that was his for big one. Best actor? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know that. But yeah, so he's had brilliant moments, but like in between those, he's had, you know, cheesy movies or just other movies where he's just so over the top. Oh, The Rock is another good one of his with Sean Connery. I think that's my favorite, honestly. Yeah. And that's only because I haven't seen too many of his movies. Yeah. And then it's like uh, Ghost Rider. I I'm surprised you didn't mention um, Bad Lieutenant because I, I, I think isn't that one that you really like, Mark? I did. Um, but at the end of the day, like it was just too much. It was too much crazy Nick Cage, you know. Mm -hmm. okay. So uh, while while the movie was it, it was okay, it wasn't bad. Um, I was surprised at how good it was. Mm -hmm. It was still like a lot in in that character that he played. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's one of those I did see. I forgot about that. Well, yeah, and and crazy Nick Cage. I mean, that's just like what he's known for, and and he's actually like sold it and committed to it so hard that it, it's at the point where like he really gets respect for it you know <laughs> but he he does seem like a cool guy i mean he dresses um in a very unique way but yeah he, he does seem he he does come off really likable in interviews so I've i'll say that i wondered if he is a likable person or if he's just a d-bag behind closed doors yeah yeah, it doesn't seem that way. I mean, he might you would think so because he he's like Francis Ford Coppola's nephew and so he's been in the business since he was 16. Yeah. But he honestly seems like 
somewhat humble and like really a really genuine like cinema lover which comes across in the film through the dialogue but let's start off with some of the good let's try to make this a nice sandwich with the good i really want to hear your quibbles and your quivers uh about this movie you'll be hearing me quiver all right (laughs) but uh let's start with some of the good so for me uh, my favorite element of the film was the bromance um i didn't feel like it was forced it developed naturally because the writing and the storytelling for me were exceptional in this film um so you have two characters from two very different sides of life both are successful but in many ways they couldn't be further apart even culturally right where the movie transports us to uh mallorca in the south of spain um which is where everything happens although those scenes were actually shot in croatia um but the characters are thrust together by a very funny circumstance in which nick cage must accept the money to do this humiliating appearance at a birthday party but as we grow with the characters we learn that what they both have in common is that a they are both lonely and in need of friendship um two or b what did i say a or b one or t- <laughs> oh i have a, in my notes i have a and that's the right the second note is two so <laughs> i was not drinking at this point that confuses uh, themselves <laughs> two they love movies and three they both love nick cage um but this is a recipe for good writing right it's this simple you have you flesh out your characters you throw them in a situation together maybe maybe several situations through the rising action and then you just let the characters grow and develop and bond and come together naturally um it's the same formula that you see in other great films and other favorite bromances of mine like Saul and Dale in Pineapple Express I I mean it's the same exact formula in pineapple express and, and you can look at it through many romance type of movies but it's ultimately all brought to life by the actors with impeccable comedic timing and instincts and this is where i was pleasantly surprised because nick cage as crazy as he usually is in this film he plays the straight man um and uh which is again another genius quality of the film even though he actually wanted to play pedro pascal's character which i don't know how that would have worked um but it would have been amazing yeah um but then pedro pascal plays the funny man and i don't know if i've just been living under a rock or what but i didn't know that pedro pascal had this in him um the last comedy that we saw him in was the bubble which was bad and it didn't give him the material that he needed to work with but the unbearable weight of massive talent is the complete opposite of that and pascal shines and he is incredibly hilarious as the funny man and again the opposites of the characters really comes through while cage is this serious and erratic uh flamboyant but embittered disillusioned but uber confident and resentful and pessimistic and failing um actor at this point in his career um and he lives in hollywood and he has a family javi 
played by Pascal, is shy, quiet, insecure. He has no family of his own. He lives in the shadow of others. Um, he lives in Spain and is potentially connected to a cartel. Um, he's very repressed. Um, while Nick Cage has made a living in the character in the movie, a living off of having his personality on display, Javi succeeds mostly by hiding his personality and playing his role in life as quietly as possible. So they must first cross the threshold of just unfamiliarity and not knowing each other at all and kind of being thrust together. Um, and experiencing the very real challenge of trying to make a meaningful friendship after your 20s. True, true story right there. Uh, but then after getting to know each other, they help each other overcome their own personal debilitating and growth stunting challenges. And then they work together for a common goal. So everyone grows, everyone succeeds. There's a happy ending. Um, it's uh, one of the best elements in the film. Um, the, the the sort of opposites attract uh, type of thing, you know, it's 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 a it's a very common thing. Thinking even back to Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau when they literally played the odd couple, um, and a lot of other classic examples. Um, and it's all about the acting ultimately and the chemistry with a good story. And for me in this film, the result was nothing short of magic. Oh, 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 it's magic. So for me, honestly, that's the the biggest gripe that I have. I hate so in the movie, um Javi ends up being uh kind of like a side character to the cartel. He's not actually running it, but his cousin is, so he's still somewhat involved, but not really. He's a front man. Yeah, he's the front man because, you know, his brother just said, oh, let's just make that happen. But I don't know why, but for me, I really wish that they kept that as him as the front yeah. man because I, I really feel like that would have added a whole nother layer to the story. And when they were like, oh, he's the cousin or the, the, the just the face of it, he's actually not a part of it. I really thought that was a cop out, man. I I don't know why. I was just really disappointed that that was the case yeah. because watching two grown men having to deal with that, like you got one side who's on the CIA and one side who's smuggling whatever they're smuggling, but they're doing bad things, and you have to watch that, you know, like you know, come into. It's all gonna get arranged accordingly, yeah. you know, and. When they made it clear that he's not the he's not the one that's in charge, I don't know, man. That was a huge missed opportunity for me. I don't know really? why, but that stuck for me big time. Uh, I agree with Mark because I was like, you, instead of having him change his heart, saying, "Oh, Nicholas Cage, you touched me, and I'm a different person now," it was just like, "Oh, I was never bad." Even when the girls walked in towards the end, they were like, "Like, what happened?" I'm like, "Oh, they like each other, but they're against." It. They're like, "Oh, it's like RRR." I was like, "Yeah." But he's not really bad, so he's just being forced to do this. And I was trying to explain it to the girls. I'm like, it was kind of a cop out where he wasn't bad, so he was never Nicholas Cage was never in danger. There was never that tension that yeah, you should have felt. As opposed to him, it's like, hey, did you betray me? You were with the CIA, and you could have developed that a little bit better by introducing this cousin in the third act that we didn't even know about. Right. Oh, I'm the guy in charge. Oh, you kidnapped the girl? Oh yeah, I did. Huh? 
Yeah, and he was completely in your face. Like the moment we see him, he's like, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna kill everybody. You know, so it was just it was a lot to take in. And it really was disappointing when that when that played out. I was like, Oh, I don't know why they made this guy. Like, I don't know who he is. I'm not invested in him, you know? And so when it shifted to him being the actual kingpin, I don't know, man. That that really just that really knocked it down a lot for me. Wow. See, my experience was very different. So for me, I think you really, so was it pretty early on that you guys like liked Javi? Yeah, he just, he seemed, uh, I don't, I like, I'm always afraid of saying things and getting canceled, but like, <laughs> he almost, he almost seemed autistic, like he had something wrong with him. So like, I appreciated that, you know? Okay. Uh, um, he's just, but, you know, he's a people person. If he likes someone, he likes them, you know, and he's, uh, he's in a hundred percent. That's how, how I took it at first. I, I like that they went from their little hello salute to, uh, Dude. the next thing you know, like, I'm thinking this is a big drug lord. Who's like, he's like, oh, I can't talk to him about the script right now. Look at him. He's Nicolas Cage. He's amazing. And to me, I, I liked him because I thought he was this big bad guy who was afraid to talk to him. Like this guy yeah. he thinks is famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's very likable. And I think I didn't, I was not thinking autistic, but certainly childish um, in innocent. You know, uh, there was an innocence about him. Yeah, don't, don't take that um, with the great like. So I, I didn't mean that 100 percent. Don't no. get me canceled, bro. Don't you know what I mean? Out. He had a he had a he had a uh, a quirk. Yeah. Um, but I liked him for so for me, I was always uh skeptical that he, you know, that that they were selling it so hard that you like him, that there's so much to like about him, and then that they're going to sort of rip the rug out from under you and make him the villain. So I was always suspicious about that. And my suspicions were all but um, uh, pacified when I saw the cousin for the first time. And I saw the way he was acting. He seemed very chaotic, very kind of like ready to explode at any yeah. second. So as soon as I saw that, there was an instinct in me that said, no, that guy seems more like a villain. So I hadn't pieced it together, but that's why for me, and, and again, I grew to like Javi so much and their relationship so much between him and Nick Cage that I was rooting for, for that to be the case for, uh, because I mean, the, the movie would have gotten really dark if, if he was in the cartel, if he was an arms dealer, if he was the bad guy and now Nick Cage really has to take him down or, or, you know, now their friendship really turns into enemies or something like that. The, the, the movie well, he really, really has to act. He has to act his butt off. Well, like, he did, bro. In that Italian, don't, don't forget he that did. Italian costume. <laughs> he did. Which he was did. amazing. But like, I think the thing that I was thinking is he sees the error of his ways and maybe his cousin who was chaotic say, no, I don't want you. We got to go through this. You know, I mean, he doesn't have to be the villain. He could have, you know, had this realization because he's confronted with the massive, unbearable weight of the, of Nick's cage, and and he comes to realize, hey, I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. Nick's cage, you're right, something like that. But okay. it, 
with what Mark was saying when I was here, I'm like, it did stunt the character arc of Pedro Pascal's character because it's just like, okay, now like you literally haven't grown at all from the beginning. You're just the same person, and if no. anything, you're more you're more scared of your cousin. You now I have to stand up, but that was never an issue in the beginning that we were being fed. Okay, well I see what you I see where you're coming from, and I do agree that his growth certainly wasn't. It didn't feel as significant as Nicolas Cage's, but he still did have growth because, I mean, again, he was the cowardly lion and he ended up standing up to his cousin. He was uh, unafraid to uh, claim the love that he had for Gabriella, which was his assistant, which was the whole big thing that he loved her. But because of his role in the in the crime family, he couldn't act on it. So there was growth. I would argue that there was growth there, but it was overshadowed. The the main focus was Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Well, I would say like that cowardly lion wasn't introduced to the third act. You know, I mean, in the beginning, we didn't see him as a cowardly lion. So we didn't see him, you know, well, oh, yeah, he was afraid to act on his love, but we didn't know why. Maybe it was business. But if they introduced him as a like cowardly person in the beginning, then he would have grown throughout the whole movie. Like they just flipped it and he became a cowardly lion at the end. And then he got the growth, but it was so truncated that it was just to, to me, like I said, it, it's not horrible. It just that's a quibble. So in your scenario of of him being this criminal who has a change of heart, mm-hmm. is he still the one that does the kidnapping? Or was it his cousin kind of acting on no, his no, own? He kidnapping. Like, you know what? Like, he doesn't have to be the good guy. Like, he had a change of heart. But he's like, because, again, in, in my scenario, and again, I'm writing it, and I didn't make this movie in my head. Um, in the scenario, like, yeah, he was a bad guy who did a bad thing, and then he meets Mrs. Cage, and he changes his ways. Okay. Okay. Um, I think you guys got a point. I, it didn't bother me. That easy, yeah. But, it wasn't yeah. a bother. It was just more like, ah, uh, uh, you know, it stayed in the back of my head. Like, I, I wish they, they didn't go this route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, moving on here. Uh, again, so the twist, you know, again, I, I don't know how you guys felt about it. I guess you see that there were some flaws. I thought the... I thought the writing was really impeccable for the most part. Um, so, you know, there's twists in it. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, maybe I'll add that back in at the beginning <laughs> for those that have been listening. But you well, should know by now. Know, yeah. yeah, you should everyone know by now that, that we do spoilers. But um, as if the two opposite personalities clashing is not enough, right? Then you add the CIA angle where they never really went into that, like who the CIA was originally expecting to have come out of that plane before they discovered that it was Nick Cage. And now they had to try to lure Nick Cage into working for them. But you add the CIA angle where it's literally a wrong place, wrong time trope uh, with Nick Cage. Um, And the CIA, again, finds the opportunity to use him to then investigate Javi. They've been following him. They've been doing research and they have a pretty good idea that he has uh, that he's the boss of this crime syndicate. Um, Javi is also then trying to pitch to Nick Cage, you know, I guess one of his ulterior motives with having him um, come 
to uh, f- to attend his birthday party is so he can pitch him this screenplay, which he sent to his agent, but the agent never gave him. Um, which then becomes them actually trying to write the screenplay together. Which uh, and then when Javi is informed that Cage is is working for the CIA, then Javi is trying to investigate the veracity of that theory. Um, and I thought that all of those elements um, work together really well with great pacing. Again, brilliant writing, some memorably exquisite performances, even in the beautiful backdrop of the setting where they were, and even. Even some um, great assists from some of the char- secondary characters like Tiffany Haddish and Ike uh, Bearholtz, who were supposed to be a couple. Mm. And I've, I felt like that wasn't really fleshed out in the story. I mean, they had a dynamic in their dialogue, but if you see that their, their characters actually have the same last name. So they were like yeah. an item. I thought they were just partners. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. That was a deleted scenes that they would hope take off. You know, I think they made it clear from the beginning that they were expecting Javi. So when uh, Nick Cage came out of the plane, I think they were expecting Javi. And they were surprised that Nick Cage was in there. And that's when they changed everything to um, use him. So they were going to, like, capture him and, like, question him or something? Detain him? They were going to drop a tracker on Javi. Oh, that's right. The tracker. You're right. You're right. They were gonna drop a tracker, but then um, dude, that reminds me. How about that <laughs> that scene where Nick Cage is doing his first mission <laughs> and he has the uh, the substance <laughs> on his paw, rubs, rubs his forehead. I touch my head, <laughs> and then he's like <laughs> passing out, <laughs> trying to still complete the mission. And then he does pass out, and then the CIA agent gets the brilliant idea to say, action. <laughs> when she said action, he jumped up and stabbed himself. I thought that was hilarious. That was so Dude, good. It was a great sequence, man. Um, but then and then there's the whole, I mean, meta aspects of the film, right? So not only is Nick Cage playing Nick Cage, uh, a, um exaggerated right version of everything that we assume about Nick Cage, but then, you know, they're having conversations like him and the CIA agent. I thought that was a great piece of dialogue where they're talking about Star Wars films and Avengers films, which both he and Pedro Pascal um, have been in. Um, Nick Cage as Ghost Rider, of course, and Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian. Um, but then they're talking about, you know, like... Uh, talking about the kidnapping and how that's going to make a great story. And then even when he, when he and Javi are talking about the script that they're writing and saying, you know, it's about us or this or that. And then that they are, the movie is writing itself, you know, in the fictitious part of the film was all I thought um, really, really clever writing uh, that worked really well and was really entertaining. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I wasn't I wasn't expecting um, Nick Cage to have as many uh, funny and enjoyable lines as he did. Um, I can't remember the last time he was in a comedy movie. Mm. Can you remember the last one? I don't. I cannot remember at all. That's a good question. I so think yeah. You'd have so to go way back. Does the, does the cruise count? 
<laughs> or the Croods 2 in this case. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I've never seen. But it was – yeah, I know, my bad. It was uh, it was nice to see him because usually he's just the action star. So it was nice to see him delivering these lines that were funny and legitimately funny. Yeah. Not just like, oh, I'm going to laugh because it's Nick Cage. There was some fun stuff there. Yeah. He was hilarious, man. The The, the movie was really, really funny, I thought. Um, and then when I saw him in that, so at one point he – has to disguise himself as an Italian, uh, a uh, uh, an Italian oh. mafia member that's been disappeared for a long time, so no and one nobody would rec- knows. Nobody looks like. Nobody knows yeah. what he looks like, right? And he killed it, man. He did such a great job. Um, but um, so yeah, another um, another aspect of the film. And the story that I really enjoyed was the whole kind of secondary storyline that was going on um, about Nick Cage and his family, um, which outside of the friendship and the bond between Nick and Javi was the other element that carried the the heart of the film, because Cage is, of course, a self-absorbed actor. Um, so all of the dynamics of his family life revolve and rotate around him. Oh. He is the sun in the middle of the galaxy. Yeah. Um, so when they watch movies, they're the movies that he likes. When they talk about anything, the conversation always devolves into him and his career. He's always interrupted by important phone calls about a role or an opportunity. And even at his daughter's birthday... He steals the spotlight by sitting behind the piano and improvising um, a song about a a, a moment that they experienced together. So all the attention is on him. Um, But his development comes when he discovers, right, that he needs to be less selfish, less egotistic, and more focused on the happiness of those most important to him, not just his own. And I love the final scene, you know, when everything comes full circle and displays the way in which the circumstances of the film brought about his growth, repaired his fractured relationships, and helped provide a more fulfilling existence away from the flashing lights of the red carpet and the after parties to a party of three in a living room watching Paddington 2, I thought I thought was a, was a really sweet ending. <laughs> Makes me want to watch Paddington 2, not going to lie. Dude, I've heard, I've heard good I've things. Heard, yes, I've heard as well. Have you seen one at least? Good. No. Oh, oh. They're really good. I've heard they're phenomenal, which scares <laughs> me. I don't want to watch a movie and cry because it's an animated movie about a bear. Well, it's not animated. Only he's animated. <laughs> animated, an, animated really well, apparently. Yeah, he looks like but, he's real life. I mean... I've heard good things about it, but uh, according to this movie, it's it's a it's a tearjerker, which I was not expecting. It's, yeah, it's a top five apparently according yeah. to this movie. Yeah. Um. So we might, we might have to re- review Paddington too. <laughs> so let me ask you guys: throughout the film, there are times when Nick Cage interacts with a younger version of himself, who goes by Nikki. 
who is based off of um, uh, Nick Cage's character in the film Wild at Heart and sort of the interviews and the press that he was doing at that time in a black leather jacket in that in that same costume that you saw him in in this movie. Um, I'll be actually linking in the description a video um, that displays the influence that that character had on this one. And this is by far the zaniest, and that's the most fitting word for it. This was zany. Uh, the zaniest aspect of this film, since the two even share a uh, an on-screen kiss between the fantasy version and the real version. Um, so, I mean, this was funny. It was, uh, what did you guys think of, of those moments? It made me immediately think of, uh, Little Nicky with Adam Sandler. <laughs> same hair, I think. But, um, did you ever same see... Same hair, JCVD? same jacket. Did you ever see JCVD or no? I did see it. Like... Every time it went there, it always reminded me of the scene from JCVD where he just rises into the rafters and starts talking to the camera. Mm -hmm. Like, every time he cut to that, I'm like, for some reason, like, now they're the same. It's not bad. It just always reminded me of that scene. Okay. I mean, I think that's a stretch, but it's... No, I just, I'm saying just because it, it cuts from the movie and it's... So Who's like, raising him into the rafters? Oh, he just raised it. It's, it's like, just a cinematic sequence where he's he, like, talking, sitting he's in a chair and then it elevates. And yeah, he's, he's talking to the camera and then you just see him rising up and off the set and you see him talking in the rafters. Like, just yeah. his head like this. It's just breaking, right. the, breaking the fourth wall. Fair enough. So, um, for some reason, it just would remind me, not necessarily the same thing, but that's what it, it also threw my mind back to. I, I think it would have been funny if there were different versions of his ego, of his alter ego, from different characters throughout his film uh, filmography. Like the so, National, National Treasure guy come in. Face yeah. Off, the Rock. Yeah, Face Off, The, the Rock. Treasure. Yep, The Wicker Man. Um, and, uh, and so Yelled many... About the bees. <laughs> so many of those are referenced in the film. Um, so I, I have to... I mean... I can't imagine that, that that wasn't an idea that came up at one point. And my assumption is that it just it just would have added up, you know, getting the rights to all those characters from all the different production companies or whatever. But yeah. I think that I think that would have been awesome. I think that would have been too much for people who are Nick Cage fans to see him playing through all of his roles. But if you've never seen him in those roles, then it's like, uh, I don't know what I'm really watching, you know? So, um, Mark, let me ask you, um, since you love when I surprise you with questions, um, uh, what? how much did you know about this movie before watching it? And I remember how excited you were the first time you saw this trailer. Can you share with us what made you excited about it originally? Originally, it was labeled as, like, Nick Cage's comeback. And so he's been out of the limelight for a while. And this is his movie. It's about him. But not really. And so that that alone sold me. Because I've always been fine with Nick Cage. I've never had, I've never had a reason to dislike him. Um, in the roles that I've seen him in, he's always been fine. So... Just one of those. Ah, I'm I'm cool watching what he's he's putting out. 
So when I saw the trailer, that's what it was. I was like, oh, man, this guy's got a redemption story and I want to watch it. That's that's all it was, you know, because he's been out of movies for a while. And here he is coming back with this Tour de, Tour de France. Mm-hmm. Or Tour um, de Force, I should say. <laughs> yeah, either way, it's a marathon, baby. Um, so, so you didn't know much else about it? No, no. I think uh, I hadn't seen any movies from him for a while when I saw that trailer. I think the last movie I saw was Wicker Man. No, it was Bad Lieutenant. <laughs> Bad Lieutenant. Um, you didn't see yeah, the Ghost Rider? I, Ghost Rider movies? I did, but that, that happened well, you know. Well, so wasn't it Pig, movie. though? I saw Pig recently, but I think Pig came out after this. Oh. Um, after this? No. No. Yeah. That I feel like Pig would have been like 2019, 2018. Pig was maybe. 2020, Pig was 2021. This was 2022. Okay. I think I I like the fact that he was making fun of himself. Yeah. You know, that he's yeah. he's a big actor and and now he's kind of making fun of himself and 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 all of his little ticks. Yeah. Have you seen uh, Gone in 60 Seconds? I have. Okay. That's one we haven't mentioned. I have. Um, but I guess. Life right there. Yeah, I guess my point is I didn't really know much about this movie either. Like I remember you sh- you sharing that trailer. I I watched it and I was like, okay, yeah, this looks pretty interesting. But then it fell off my radar, to be honest with you. And until that meme came back, and I was like, oh yeah, that movie. I wanted to see that. But, but for me, it that worked. And again, it's it's the, just the fact that trailers, and I know, Mark, I, I think you're even at the point where you try to avoid them because they give That's away so much, man. They give yeah. away so much. And in this one, I felt the less you knew, the better. Like, all I knew was that, um, that he played himself. And I think at one point, I was convinced that Pedro Pascal also played himself. Like, I thought it was kind of like a this is the end type of thing where they're like playing like Pedro Pascal was a really big fan and somehow they met and like then we're adventuring together. Um, That would have been awesome. Yeah. So I but for me, it worked like it was exciting to not know and to be like, honestly, I, I really didn't know the extent that this was an action adventure movie. Yeah. You know, like I knew I thought it was like a low budget indie type of comedy thing. But so the whole adventure, mystery, action, suspense, uh, all the all that it just worked so much for me um, that and, and we've talked about it before. I think when we reviewed the bubble, we mm-hmm. talked about like, dude, what happened to comedies? I don't know yeah. if it's the wave of wokeness or whatever that things are really just not that funny anymore. So even along those lines, again, because this even reminded me, there's to um, uh, uh, Pineapple Express, which I love. So um, yeah, I I just thought it was so refreshing to see a comedy that felt like what comedies used to be. Yeah. You know? I really enjoy the comedy that you don't need to think too much. Like for Pineapple Express, you don't need right. to think a lot. That's just like, hey, this is what it is. And you're probably going to fall right on board and be like, man, this movie is great. <laughs> um, and for this one, it kind of felt the same way. Like there wasn't, 
you didn't have to think too much into what was happening. You can just take it for what it was and enjoy it. Um, and, and that that made the movie, uh, I guess, more, <laughs> for lack of a better word, more watchable. Um, I I really, at the end of the day, I really hated the shift from the cousin or whoever he was to being the bad guy. I don't know why, but that really bothered me when he just popped up out of nowhere and he's like, I got to talk to you and this is what's happening. And I'm like, dude, who are you? Like, I don't know who you are at all. And I was enjoying these two characters trying to figure out what's going to happen next. And now I have this, this third person that I'm just really not interested in. Like, you just seem like a D bag and just because you're a D bag. So I'm just going to take it how it was. And that's how they sold it. And that transition, man, like it was just really killer. I don't know why, but it just really stuck out like a sore thumb. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, in my notes, I kind of, for different reasons, I had it as, as a, a minor knock on the film, just because I think I saw, again, I saw it coming once I saw the cousin, but it didn't bother me because I didn't, I didn't want anything to ruin how I felt about Javi. So I was yeah. okay that they kind of preserved um, his his sense of innocence throughout. Um, Which is why I thought he was autistic. Yeah, fair, fair. But, oh, back to your point, though, about Pineapple Express being a movie that you don't have to think a lot about. I think a lot of people that enjoyed that movie originally were in a state where they couldn't really think very much beyond that under a certain influence. Excellent. Excellent. I, lo- I love the movie when it came out, man. I don't do that. So mm-hmm. it's a good movie. It's a good one. Um, ah, space. Have you guys? You probably haven't, but there's this meme where I think it's from um, the movie. Um, what's the movie that's like Rapunzel, the Disney one? Tangled. Oh, oh, Tangled. Tangled. Yeah, it's like a shot from Tangled where there's like a bunch of spears being pointed at this guy's oh, neck. Yeah, yeah. And it and it says like, "Tell me your most uh, unpopular movie opinion or whatever." Mine is that the world needs James Franco back. Like <laughs> <laughs> the, the the comedic world at least desperately needs James Franco back. Yeah, I for one miss him. I'm ready to forgive him. Unfortunately, all the the women that he can't control himself with feel otherwise. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Right. Allegedly. Right. Um, Which, I mean, honestly, it's kind of hard to not think that in that state of power that you have, you would do something. Yeah. Uh, you know, the world is mainly corrupt in that. But yeah. anyways. Yeah. I agree. Well, but we, we're yeah. presumed innocent until proven yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But no, I I agree. He had a knack about being like funny. Uh, he could yeah. just make a face or a, a yeah. sound, and all of a sudden it's just funny. Yeah, he's a great actor, man. And yeah. and him and Seth Rogen did some good things together. They Seth Rogen, from what I hear, threw him under the bus and sold him out, man, or just turned his uh, back on him. Just turned uh, his back on him. Ex excommunicated a hundred percent. I got yeah, I got some on X review for Seth Rogen. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. You got what? Seth, Seth Rogen on our next review. Okay, okay. I, 
Good, good, good. Um, just a few more points for me uh, of mention. Um, I love the Nick Cage Museum and Javi's compound. Um, and then especially though, so when he first, when he sees the statue and he's like, do you like it? And he's like, it's grotesque. Uh, I'll give you $20,000 for it. <laughs> that was great. But then late, when it when it like uh, through the reflection, like it's the statue, but then it kind of imposes uh, Nick, Nick Cage's real face on it. That was really sweet. Yeah. Love that. Um, the golden guns were great. Um, and yeah, the next thing was just, again, so not only did I like him in that Italian costume, I really liked as far as the plot of the story, how his acting actually played a big role in the sense he, he brought up several times how it was like, oh yeah, I, I actually think like acting and espionage go hand in hand really well. And then even how he could, I thought it was really well done because he's talking about how he has this shamanic um, acting instincts, yeah, instincts, yeah <laughs> that allows him to like read people. And he was right about it. And he even <laughs> points it out. And he says like, I should, I should always trust my shamanic <laughs> instincts. <laughs> but in closing, in closing, I just have um, this this quote and this dialogue from the movie. So Nick and Javi haven't really met yet. He just arrived on a boat into the compound and he's he's talking to the guy not knowing that it's Javi. And he says, look, the guy that owns this house, what's his name? And Javi says, Javi. And Nick Cage says, all right, look, if Javi wants me to like suck his you know what or do his wife or watch me watch him do his wife, that's a no go. Do you understand? It's no bueno. And then he goes, I am Javi. And he just goes. <laughs> he just threw up there. He just surrendered. It was just... Oh, man. And he picked it up so quick. He was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great, man. Uh, I, 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 everybody from now on, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's just, especially and, if you don't know how to get out of the situation. <laughs> and it's such a perfect thing because it's like that's like such a Nick Cage thing, you know. It was brilliant. It was. So, Kevin, but, Kevin, well, Kevin. Wait, oh well, yeah, go ahead. Because I, I remember this, and then you went on to the the ending part. The part where Nicholas Cage was talking about how acting and CIA work go so well together. It was so perfect and like so realistic. He's like, I could do this, man. I think I could do this. Good, we have another assignment. What do you mean? I can't do this. <laughs> I was like, that's so great because you're talking so much trash. Like, whoa, wait up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see him getting ready. Kevin, you know what time it is. Oh, no, no, no. we're almost ready. We're almost ready. No, no, no. Uh, before you get to fun facts, he's not ready yet. Okay. Before you, no, before you get to fun he's facts, stalling. Um, I'm surprised, Juan, you didn't mention the shoe scene when they switched their shoes because oh, they were just yeah. talking about their shoes, and I was like, it reminded me. That reminded me of Minehorn. The shoes are going on. Yeah. They were just talking yeah. about the shoes. Like, you want to trade? <laughs> and then they're running later. Your shoes don't have ankle support. <laughs> oh man, that was great. Like, there was, was really actually. Good. An interesting thing with shoes, though, which is that when Javi's first taking it, when um, he gets awoken 
out of bed, awakened out of bed by Gabriella. And she's like, yo, come on, let's go. Javi wants to take you to these cliffs. And he's like, no, I'm jet lag. I'm not going. <laughs> and she's like, no, Javi's paying you a million dollars. So you're going to see the cliffs. And then yeah. he's still he's still in his bathrobe. Um, I think I'm, I have to go back and watch it. I didn't get a chance to. But I think that throughout that whole time, he didn't have shoes on. And then I think when they jump off the cliff, he has shoes on. So I think yeah. there was a, a, a goof up there. But I ha I'd, ha I'd have to go back and verify it. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But that whole part with the shoe, when they were talking about the shoes, like, you're faster than me. He goes... Yeah, he's like, I'm not, I didn't do that running. He goes, that's not what the behind-the-scenes feature said. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then after all that argument, who's going to run first? He's like, oh, I'm going to go with you if you're going to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the, 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 I mean, the bromance was awesome. They had a great a great chemistry. Yeah, and the la and last thing I want to say before I hit this music, Humphrey Bogart would be a really good porn name. That's oh, it. yeah. It would be. Like that, here we go. What a segue. It is fun music for fun facts. I'll give you that. <laughs> All right. Fun fact number one. Um, at the end of principal photography, the whole cast was gifted a pillow with Nicolas Cage's face on it, each one autographed by him. And it was actually the pillow that's in the movie, in the museum, that's like sequined. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course it, was, it is. That's like the number one Nick Cage pillow. When I saw that, I'm like, where do you get that thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, and actually, like, there's a scene that it was like when um, – when I think uh, Nick Cage is looking at the pillow and I think he says something like it's a little too much and <laughs> Javi's like, no, it's it's great or something like that. Apparently that like that was a real dialogue between them and, where like Nick Cage hated that pillow. And then, and then you see him fixing it behind him when he leaves. Yeah. Um, so according to Neil Patrick Harris, not verified, but according to him, um, Nicholas Cage had body makeup cover up some of his tattoos and he asked Nick Cage why the character Nick Cage the character doesn't have the tattoos that the real Nicholas Cage has um, the real Nicholas Cage responded that the character didn't have as many wives as him um, oh. so I looked this up, and Nick Cage has been married five times. Oh, was um, two, two of them were to Patricia Arquette and Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, you married them both twice? No, and then, and then, and then, two of the other ones I think are, are were with uh, Asian ladies, or at least one of them. I thought he still was. He's the night. Yeah, I think he still is with with one of them. Yeah. Um. I've never understood that, man. I'm done. All those, one, all those one marriages. One and done. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. God, the one. Um, the original script had a plot point involving Nicolas Cage chasing down Quentin Tarantino to earn a role in his next movie. But it was it was changed to another scene featuring a cameo appearance from director David Gordon Green. So that director, I thought it was a writer. But I guess it was a director that he yeah. was meeting that he was meeting with. Originally, yeah. that was supposed to be Quentin Tarantino. 
Which that if that would if that yeah that would have been way more funny. Oh, if that would have been the case, this would would have cracked my top five all time. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn just said no, huh? Dude, get ready to have your mind blown. No. <laughs> this God. is this is Nick Cage's hundred and fourth film role. Oh, I believe that. A hundred and four. I believe that. Yeah, I've that, heard that he does movies upon movies upon movies. I don't think he's at uh, Samuel L. Jackson level. No, but no. But Samuel, not sure if you know, but Samuel L. Jackson was in the '90s. He was the actor in the most movies. Really? Yeah. 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 I could see that. Um, for sure. Uh, apparently, <laughs> during the stunt when um when Javi gets uh kind of hit by a car, yeah. Um, he 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 wrecked 14 prop cars so i guess they did at least body? at least 14 takes but he was unhurt during the stunt all right fair enough so nicolas cage originally didn't want to do this movie he was against the idea of playing himself he turned down several offers but changed his mind after Tom Gormican, who's the director um, and the and uh, one of the writers, um, sent him a personal letter and attached the script to it. So that changed his mind. Interesting. I, I heard the same thing. I think about John Malkovich for being John Malkovich. He didn't want to do it. He's yeah. Like, Makes sense. And then they sent him, and he's like, "Oh, this is too good to pass up." Okay. <laughs> so. Not to put her on blast, but apparently this is something that she herself shared. Tiffany Haddish told Nicolas Cage a story, which could be true, could be not. It's a story. But she told him a story about having sex while watching Face Off as her first time in a movie theater in 1997. <laughs> And what was, he, what was he supposed to respond to? Hell yeah! He responded something about like that's a sign of them getting married someday or something like that. <laughs> All right, um, that's a Nick. That's a Nick. To continue with Tiffany Haddish, Mark, uh, Nicholas Cage handpicked Tiffany Haddish for this role based on a recommendation by his friend, writer and director Paul Schrader who acted Paul under Paul Schrader in The Card Counter, which we reviewed yeah. in season one. Yeah. Remember, Tiffany Haddish was in that. I do remember. She did, by the way, have one of my favorite moments when she says something after she met him, and she's like, ooh, that was really loud. And then she whispered into the phone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was funny. That was funny. She was good in this. She was good, she was good in this. Yeah. Um, the stuff about Crudes too was good too. Her, her and Ike Barrett Holtz were funny. I, I would, I wouldn't have minded seeing more, a, a few more scenes of them going back and forth. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is the first time since 1982 and the film Fast Times at Ridgemont High that Nicolas Cage is credited under his real name, Nicholas Kim Coppola. Very interesting. I wonder why that is. Well, because he changed his name. Why? Why they credited him? Yeah, that way. That, yeah. Well, be, because just for Nikki, though, he's credited with two characters, like mm -hmm. himself and then Nikki. 
And I think Nikki was credited as Coppola. Mark, do you know why he changed his name or no? Hi? Yeah, do you know why he changed his name? Yeah, because he wanted to make his own path. Yeah, and where he got he got his last name because he's a comic book fan from Luke Cage. Oh, yeah, I had heard that. That's true. Good one. Good one. So that was uh, that was Kevin's fun facts. Now, hey! Uh, now we'll continue with my fun Step facts. Step it in, baby. <laughs> um, so Neil... Nah, just kidding. Don't, don't, don't worry about pitching in. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is... This is a kind of a quirky, odd fact, but he was in the first two big productions that started shooting during quarantine. Um, the first one, the other one was The Matrix Resurrections and this one. Oh, you know, the one thing about Neil Patrick Harris, remember how you said you thought Pedro Pascal was playing himself? Yeah. I think the only one who threw me off was when NPH showed up. Because I was like, oh, why are you playing an agent and not Neil Patrick Harris? Yeah. Like, that one, I, I can understand why Pedro wasn't, but I was like, that threw me off a little bit when I saw him. That yeah. is like this movie. You kind of expect that for him, though. And you apparently... He's easy to play himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought so, too, actually, for a yeah. second. Uh, apparently, this movie was paused for, like, for some time um, during during uh, COVID. Production was paused. Um, Makes sense. Demi Moore was in this. Her character, yes. her character was originally played by Angelina Jolie. No, really. Yeah. Yeah. To me, Moore uh, was a better fit. Uh, yeah, which is interesting. So this is kind of a reach, I guess. But but Nicolas Cage gets paid one million dollars to attend this birthday party in the film *Indecent Proposal*. Demi Moore gets paid a million dollars to uh, have sex with Robert Redford. Yeah. Such a good movie. There you go. Um, my boy Woody Harrelson in that. Uh, last one is just something that I didn't know because I was convinced that Pedro Pascal was a Mexican. Uh, <laughs> he, is, he is actually Chilean-American. He's... <laughs> I think it's because of Narcos. I think in Narcos he played yeah. a Mexican. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so that's why. But anyway, those are my fun facts. I got one. I got one. All right. Do you know who played Nicolas Cage's daughter in this movie? Yeah, I do. Do you know who she's a daughter of? No, I'm curious. Kate Beckinsale and Martin Sheen, the actors. Wait, Kate Beckinsale and Martin Sheen? Yeah, well, Martin, it's, it's, it's the, the, the British actor, not... not Oh, no, Marge, it's not a, Emilio Estevez's father. No, no, no. Okay, it's, uh, the guy I think who was in uh, Frost Nixon, I believe that I think I believe he was in that one. Oh, him, uh, him, him. Okay, S H E E N or whatever. I was gonna say, man, she loves them old guys, dude. <laughs> I really, she kind of looked like Nicholas. Like, there was a resemblance. I really thought it was his daughter. That's why I looked it up because I was yeah. like, oh man, who is this girl? I've never seen her. There and was I, a bit of a when I looked it up, back, even on Wikipedia, it just kept sending me to Kate Bacon Sales bio. I'm like, yeah. why? And I read it. I'm like, oh, it's her daughter. That was Lily Moshin. Yeah. Lily Moshin. All right. Uh, those are, yeah, that was the fun facts portion. So now we are ready for some ratings. Um, I will go first since I took credit for the pick. <laughs> We got prepared. Dude, this is a pretty deep V-neck. 
I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> it's it's the capital V for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so for me, the unbearable weight of massive talent, five out of five. I love this. Um, I will at some point be purchasing this on Blu-ray. I can't wait to watch this again. I got a uh, so funny story is we have someone else's Amazon Prime account, uh, we, but I forgot. So I was just uh, surfing on there, or I was yeah. going to the movie, and I was like, oh, you need a subscription? I'll just get the subscription. <laughs> no problem. The free trial. And then I was like, oh, crap, this isn't my account. So I had to notify that person, like, hey, I'm going to watch this movie. Go ahead and cancel that account right after. So I was dying to watch it again, but I couldn't. So I will be purchasing this, buying it again, will be laughing again and enjoying it again, just as I do with uh, other classics like Superbad, Pineapple Express, This is the End. This is another enjoyable movie that I could watch over and over again. At least you didn't say Mindhorn. I was expecting you to say that. <laughs> I, I, I love that. Yeah, it's all right. Take, by the way, over here. Uh, so for my review of this movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, it is a four little Jerry's for me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, for some reason, the things that I didn't like really stuck out to me. And that was basically like the way they progressed the story and the ending. Um, but it wasn't enough to derail me from the experience as a whole. And it's still a fun movie. It's still enjoyable. It's still funny. Um, it's just not entirely everything that I expected. And while I shouldn't give it fault for that, I will. So it's four <laughs> little Jerry's out of five. <laughs> yeah. um, I enjoyed the movie for the most part. I had some quibbles. Um, the one thing that I'm, I'm going to tell you why I gave it, why I gave it my rating. Yeah, it's quabbles. That, uh, that brought it back towards the very end for me. It's like, when I was watching it, I couldn't imagine. Like, it's so strange to me to have a kid that doesn't enjoy the movies you enjoy. And I understand it's like that. I understand why. But my daughters, they watch Rashomon. They watch Casablanca. They, we watched The Outsiders yesterday because my daughter read the book. So we enjoy movies together. So it was really weird. But bringing it back and seeing them just sitting there on the well, in front of the couch, watching Paddington 2 with her head on, I was like, oh, man. I'm like, you know what? It, it bumped it up half a point for me, so I actually gave it a 4.5 because I was going on four, but then I went with a 4.5 because I was like, they it, it got me. Even though I do think they could have spent a little more time developing the daughter's point of view and their relationship together, yeah, because they did touch on it. Then it goes off the page of Pascal. Then hey, look, we're here now, and I I, I wish they would have developed a little bit more. That could would have brought that and but not twist ending of him just not being a bad guy would have pushed yeah. probably up to a five to me but it's a four solid 4.5 fair enough that's uh that's a fair point fair critique thank you <laughs> okay <laughs> so that is a five for moi a four for mark and a 4.5 for kevin still a pretty high score for the, good. Yeah, so I think we can all agree that we recommend this one. You but should watch it again. This is certified fresh. Oh, I did. I did. I forgot to say this. I did hear that. Well, I don't know. In my 
uh, Pedro Pascal wants it to be. I don't know. But um, it, I do. Th- I, I don't know what to make of the marketing for this movie. Again, for me, it entered my radar and then it left my radar. So I don't know what happened there. It was always a, the crazy wild time of COVID was going on too. And then this movie came out at the same time, the same release, I think, as The Northman and one other film. I can't remember which one it was. Um, so that hurt it. So, I mean, to me, the fact that this movie had a budget of $30 million, not not counting marketing, and so far it's only made about $29 million, I think that's really unfair. I think more people, again, and I don't know how accurate that is, but uh, I think more people should watch this because it's very, very enjoyable. It's a very good comedy. Yeah. So I, I hope that our review will help it along. And hey, if they want to kick back some of that to us, you know, if 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 they see an increase in in gross, um, all after it this. was us, we did this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, it, uh, it released the same weekend as the Bad Guys, the animated movie. Is that the one with that wolf or yeah. something? Oh, okay. yeah, it was the Bad Guys and the Northmen. Yeah, so they think that that might have had something to do with it, um, but it deserves it deserves more than that. It's it's really good. So go watch it. That's our recommendation. But before you do, please make sure to subscribe, like, follow, add, friend, uh, and comment, comment, and tell us. You know what. What you like, what you don't like, you know, anything what do you at all. Think about all this hot steaming pile of garbage that we're putting up. <laughs> tell us your darkest, deepest secret if you want. We won't tell. <laughs> no. no, but what's to call you crazy? Bye. <laughs> all right, gents. Love you. Later, haters. <laughs>